Blog Talk Radio. Hey, welcome everybody. This is Girl Power Hour. I'm Annette Bingham and Tasha Humphreys is here with me. Hey, Tasha. Hi, Annette. I would ask you how you're doing today, but I already know that you're not feeling very well. You know, I'm not, and that's okay, because this too shall pass. I don't get sick very often, if ever. I mean, I'm just not that type of person, but going to do a little bit more resting today and taking care of myself, and then I'll be good to go tomorrow. But Yay, I self-care. Miss, yeah, I didn't want to miss this show at all because I am a huge fan of all kinds of bones. I always, um, my son in New Mexico always has all these skulls and bones around, and I never can sneak out of the house with any of them. He watches them like a hawk when I'm there because he knows I'll take them. So I just, I love them. And uh, our guest today also loves them and has been able to put together some of the most beautiful, amazing creations I think I've ever seen. And um, I posted Okay, I'm hard-pressed to pick a favorite because every time I look on her, her website, it's like, ooh, ooh, I like that one. Oh, wait, no, I like that one. <laughs> crazy. <laughs> but there is one that I found really fascinating, and it was a necklace made out of armadillo tail. The little bones in the armadillo tail. Wow. Fascinating what they look like. And I posted it on one. It's one of them that I posted on Girl Power Hour page, Facebook page, mm-hmm. and it's just the little round circles. And oh my gosh, it's so cool! So um, we You're have so got sweet. Kristen. <laughs> but it's true. And the skulls. Oh my gosh. Well, I I could go on and on um, about it, and you wouldn't even have to talk, Kristen. <laughs> so we have got. Bunyard here, and um, she is also known as a bone lady. She is an artisan who puts together these beautiful creations out of bones and beads and chains and really cool things. Thank on you so her much. Website, on her website, if you go, look at her website, and we'll give you the uh, address to that. You're going to see on her press page just list and list of places that people have been talking about her and her creations. Um, it's amazing. She was on 24 Frames, uh, Germany Vogue. Uh, it, it, the list goes on. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited to have her on here Kristen, thank you so much for being on the show. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity. Well, I know Tasha has got tons of things to talk to you about, and um, I'll jump in occasionally, but I'm going to let Tasha get on with it because I know she's got lots to talk about. Hi, Kristen. Hi, Tasha. <laughs> I have to tell everyone that's listening out there um, 
the way that I met you. So, again, like last week we had uh, Kayla on, you know, remember uh, Zombie Peep Show. You you met her she as well. She is so and awesome. So awesome, yes. Another fantastic artist, another favorite of mine. Um, and, you know, just like, just like with Kristen, uh, her work became a part of TLR. And your work became a part of TLR. Uh, when you came in, I had no idea what you had done, what you were doing. Um, when you showed me your book, which I want you to pronounce the name of your jewelry line. The name of the, the line is Ossuaria. Okay, Ossuaria. And um, Ossuary means a place to house the bones of the dead, right? Correct, correct. Okay, so what an appropriate awesome name you chose Absolutely. so Ashwarya, and you gave me this book um just to give me an idea of what you could do and you know of course I look at it and it's black which if anyone knows me you know that I'm like oh yay sold because it's a <laughs> black book and then it, it's got you know it's basically an x-ray of a, of, a, of a human and it's you know you can see the skeleton and then it says Ashwarya jewelry and I open it up and I'm fascinated uh, blown away by what I see um just immediately looking at all these images of amazing pieces, um, rosaries made with um, skulls from birds. It just blew my mind. And I thought, what have I done to deserve to bring Christian Bunyard into the TLR family? So um, amazing work. I and I, I was blown away. I felt <laughs> so much the same way because I had only been in Lubbock for like 30 days when you and I met and I was super bummed out about having to move back to Lubbock. I was like, there's no art scene here. Nothing creative is happening. And then bam, you and TLR. And it was just like, everything became livable again. Oh, yay. <laughs> so see another love story. <laughs> the poor, the poor <laughs> listeners have to listen to uh, between Kristen and I, but um, it really was, it was like, this is the same thing here, you know, because anytime, as you well know, um, you know, we're always trying to scoop up any little bit of water to throw into this di- dry desert landscape sure. of, of artists. So anytime we find one, we're like, Oh, yay. You know? And so uh, <laughs> it's just amazing to have you in and, and, and to know that you do this. And, and then I saw recently your 24, 24 frames uh, episode and uh, again I was just blown away listening to you speak about your work and and you know and that's already mentioned your press and again to the listeners out there um, before we get into the meat of this interview I want to refer you all to the website um, it's ossuaria.com it's O-S-S like S is in Sam O-S-S U-A-R-I-A dot com and then you can go to, to the about page and to the uh, press page you know obviously browse the products but if you go to the press page you're going to see a literal list of I mean it's one of those lists you have to scroll down like it's not your normal <laughs> average press list where you know there's just a page and no scrolling you have to scroll down and see all the the press because it's it's not at all just local it's not at all just texas based it's very international it's very impressive way to go kristen thank you i have been i have been very very blessed with hooking up with some really neat talented creative people and uh and that's helped with the press list quite a bit <laughs> Yeah, it's super cool. And, and, and you know, I want to get into that because 
obviously when you start something like this, I mean, people are fascinated. Not, you know, art in and of itself is fascinating. Any artist, you know, that we, you and I come across, we're always going to be fascinated with whatever it is they're doing because it's sure. coming from them, and it's like whatever's inspiring you is fantastic. But when, you, when people see this, uh, even people who don't really get art are like, mm-hmm. wow, because it's, you know, I mean, this is something completely different than anything they've seen. And, and I think for me, uh, there's some people that would be like, well, it's really macabre, really morbid. And, and in that way, very interesting and intriguing to them still, regardless of their thoughts on that. But for me, like, I even look at it from the Native American perspective because I look back at all the yeah. ways that they initially started making jewelry, which was with bone beads and um, using it not only because they didn't waste anything, but also because they felt the spirit of the animal was still in it. So, like, spirit animals and power animals and animal totems and all that come to mind for me as well. So I want to know where you got started with this idea. What inspired you to start doing this? Well, I kind of fell into it rather accidentally. Um, I've, I've always kind of dabbled in, you know, various kinds of art and I did chain mail for a while. I mean, I just, my hands have to stay busy. So, I, I was already working on some kind of steampunk jewelry, and um, my family and I had gone out to a ranch out by Junction, and I was out with, with the young boys, um, just kind of taking them around, showing them all the land, and the ranch hand came out and shot a snake that was it was huge. Um, and I was super interested because he had shot the snake in the head, but the snake kept moving for about 30 or 45 minutes after it was clearly dead. And I was fascinated by that, that it just wouldn't stop. And I guess because of my background and just being a naturally curious person, um, I decided I wanted to open it up and see why. (laughs) So I did. (laughs) And um, when I saw the bones, I was like, these are absolutely gorgeous. This looks like an H.R. Giger painting. I've got to do something with this. And I thought it would make a great necklace. And, I mean, the snake vertebrae are basically beads as it is. I mean, they're, they're so easy to work with. So I made a necklace, and I had so much fun doing it. I was like, well, I should do something else. And so then the jewelry, you know, what, what started out as steampunk jewelry kind of started moving toward the bones, and now that's, that's all I do. And it's really the only material I use. Wow. So basically, as you said, you just fell into it, and basically it was just because you were an artist, you saw something, it caught your eye, and it inspired you. It was basically that snake skeleton that inspired you to do this. It was too beautiful to be hidden. Yeah. And, you know, this is something I love about it because, again, you know, people see this and initially they're like, wow, that's really macabre. But, again, you and I know this kind of art has been going on forever because it's a very tribal. Exactly art form. I mean, this is something you would find in any Native American tribe, African tribes, anywhere you would find this. This is something that's been going on forever. So this isn't really, it's just, it's our culture so removed from anything natural these days that it it may seem odd now, but in actuality, it's very natural and it's uh, very beautiful in that way. And it is too beautiful to be hidden. You're exactly right. More importantly, um, in my opinion, it does keep the, the spirit of that animal moving forward and going. And I do believe um, that, you know, it, it does bring that spirit of that animal to you, and I think that's a beautiful thing. 
I was looking at your. I, I uh, hope that people. Book. I hope that people have that moment with with the jewelry and that they choose pieces. You know, the people that buy. I hope that they choose pieces that are not necessarily a totem animal, but you know, something they they kind of identify with in that way, not just because it's a name necklace. Yeah, sure. Something that speaks to them, resonates with them somehow. I think yeah. that's beautiful because, you know, I'm a believer in animal medicine. So I do think that that's necessary. But I, as as well, I can see why you would want them to really resonate with it because that's probably why you're putting it out there, you know, to really you're giving something so much more than just art. And um, and I don't mean to minimize art, but, I mean, you're you're giving so much more than that, which that's, to me, what true art is. So um, thank you. For I that. was looking at your book. And now the book that you gave me, is that available to other people? Um, that is an older press book. Um, and that's, that's normally something that I kind of send out to magazines that are interested in possibly doing, you know, a write-up or whatever. Um, something that I've sent to photographers. So it's not something that I sell, but maybe I should. <laughs> I don't know. I think you should. I, I'm just going to go ahead and put my vote in on that. I think that you should. And I think if anyone knew, I mean, I was telling Kristen when she got online with us, our listeners know this is a call-in show. So um, as she got online with us, I was saying that, you know, I have this book next to me and I, it's actually become part of my decor in my home. It talk about That's a conversational awesome. piece. <laughs> when people open this, they're like, whoa. I mean, this is this really uh, cool cool book to have it's a great coffee table book to have in your home so yes i'm all for you selling it i would think all the listeners would definitely want to get one as well there's so many amazing photos and it's not just the photos of the jewelry i mean the photos of the jewelry the art itself are absolutely phenomenal but you have some amazing (laughs) models going on in here i don't know where you got your models i don't know where you got your photographer uh i've I've been very very blessed I mean, I I have worked with some awesome awesome people. I just send I send my jewelry out, and they make beautiful things happen with it. And that's I've been very lucky. Well, it is it is it is beautiful indeed. The whole book is beautiful. Um, so I I was looking at the book, and I was looking at the the website, and this was just you know in preparation because I've gone through it obviously many times, especially initially uh, when I was fascinated with you when you got on TLR. But um, <laughs> reading reading the about section this is I'm referring our listeners if you want to if you are on the website go to the about section of the website so this is where I'm at now I I was fascinated with your process and and here's why your background is in criminology correct yes that is true and so you were already into like the dissection the autopsies all that all that stuff was already like something that you loved and so you were fascinated with you'd already had that piece and yes. you were able to put these two together. So, okay, because for me, I'm going to be really honest, <laughs> I love, adore, appreciate all that you're doing here. And, again, you know, I'm all for the spirit animal, powered animal, animal totem stuff. But personally, I, I, I look at the photos of you cutting in, and this is book, this book, people, <laughs> that we are trying to convince Kristen to put out for sale, um, has images of Kristen dissecting and and pulling out bone and it's beautiful images it's beautiful beautifully photographed there's of course she's beautiful and then there's beautiful models around her and so there's this this beautiful image of this happening and uh it is a it is a beautiful process i would i would puke personally but it is a beautiful process and so that's why i'm saying for you to be able to do this i'm fascinated with your background and and how comfortable you are with that because you are 
I am completely comfortable with it. Um, I think that something that drives me crazy about our culture now is people are so very removed from death and, and really even from illness. And so, you know, as soon as someone in the family gets extremely sick, then, you know, they're in the hospital or there's hospice. They're not necessarily being cared for by their family members as much as they were a hundred years ago. And, you know, also back then when a family member would die, they would stay in the home and the family would handle the burial. And I mean, certainly, you know, autopsies and that kind of thing. It's, that's a, a different subject, but we're just so removed from death and death is yeah. a beautiful process. It can be. Um, mm-hmm. And so I've, I've always been super comfortable with that. I mean, there's, the process of cleaning animals is not always beautiful and awesome, and it certainly doesn't smell good. <laughs> yeah, but, that's, that's, that's the part I would puke on. That's the part right yeah, there. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty brutal. Death itself is fine, yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, the you know, images I, of, of it are, are actually kind of nice to look at. Yeah, and, and truthfully, you know, you say something that's so important. And, again, you know, as I was saying earlier, our, our society today is removed from nature itself. And so, again, these pieces, these, these pieces being so natural, these pieces coming from living creatures, and then on top of that, as you said, just being removed from death. And I do believe that death is a beautiful process for many reasons, but from a spiritual perspective, I mean, you know, it's a step to, toward your destination, right, than getting off this Absolutely. planet and moving on. And so um, it is a beautiful thing and something to be celebrated and and the physical body that's left behind is just the shell, you know. Um, so it's it is a beautiful thing, and I I think about that, and you know I think about the jewelry that you know has been made from tortoise shell and all sorts yep. of stuff that's just the leftover shell, you know. And so it's yep. the same. It's the same thing. It's no different. Uh, it's just really intriguing uh, because you are someone who is doing this now and doing an amazing, beautiful job. If listeners out there have not heard or seen, if they've not heard of this line, if they've seen it, I am telling you, you need to go to this website. You've got to look at the images of the jewelry because this is, okay, for instance, I'm fascinated with your rosaries, and that's, of course, you know, something that I, I love. Thank you. And you have put different ones together. You've revamped a couple. I've seen them you know, recently on your Facebook page, which again, uh, Kristen has a Facebook page. It's the Oxymaria Jewelry Facebook page. Um, you can find that OSS, as it's saying, U-A-R-I-A Jewelry. Uh, you can find her on Facebook, and, and she's always updating and, and giving information. But where do you get the ideas for your designs? Because obviously, you know, the, the rosaries and stuff I see, I, I get that, and I love them. They're my favorite, personally. They're my favorite, even though you have a ton. It's hard to choose, but, but I'm just so drawn to that for my own collection of things. Um, I collect a lot of religious stuff. and But but when when I look at some of the things that you do, I'm like, goodness, how did she even think to do that? I mean, you're making rings out of these things. Where, where do you get these ideas for the designs? To be honest, the, the bones kind of do the, the hard work for me. Um, it's very rare that I will come into uh, a piece with an idea of what it needs to be. More often than not, I will just decide, okay, well, I, I want to work with this set of bones. And, and I'll lay them all out on my workspace. 
and just kind of start messing with things and putting them together to see what works. And certain animals work well together also. Um, and so that's kind of my process. It's, it's so hard. I've tried to sketch things before, you know, because I'll have an idea of, oh, this would be cool. But once you translate that into the bones that you have, it doesn't always work because some bones right. just don't want to cooperate. And, and because it's such a fragile medium, I'm kind of limited in how, how much I can manipulate it. Right. Um, so really the bones kind of just tell me what they, it sounds silly and, and hokey, no, but they kind I of tell it. me what they want to be. Mm-hmm. I get it completely. And actually, don't you think, I mean, because now I'm not taking away from artists that sketch prior to doing anything. This is not what I'm saying at all. Um, that's still art. So nobody hear that. No hate mail, please. <laughs> um, although male is male, but still, um, I, <laughs> I do think that art, you know, it, it seems that it, it works that way, especially your best pieces in any art form seem to be the ones that tell you what they want to do. Because I know, like, obviously, I don't ever sketch anything because I'm an abstract artist, so I don't ever sketch any of my right. stuff, and I just do it. Um, and last week when we talked to Kayla, she doesn't sketch. She said she can't draw, <laughs> or she doesn't sketch at all. I just, thought that was funny. It's the same thing. Yeah, you know, it's the same thing. She just is inspired by something and just puts it together. And then, and I, it sounds like, you know, that's what you do too, and I feel like it's because uh, – in, I mean, this is my own opinion, but uh, for me, it's because we're really not doing it. You know, something else is coming through and working through us and doing it. And so um, the inspiration is probably a much bigger deal than we are. So, uh, yeah, I would you know, like I to think, think so. Yeah. And so with the animals, you know, they're, they're, you're right. The bones are telling you where they want to go. And I think that's that's a beautiful process. It is. Um, yep. And it's it's hard to find bones that are symmetrical, which obviously is super important with what I do. So, I mean, that, that dictates a lot of what I do as well and how a piece is going to put together. Is if I actually have two things that will match, sort of. Right. So. Now, I know that uh, people listening out there are going to wonder, well, where does she get these bones? Where do they come from? <laughs> so... This is everybody's favorite part. (laughs) (laughs) I get almost all of my bones from roadkill. Um, About 80 or 90% of what, of the bones that I have, I I pick up roadkill and then clean it and, and then use the bones from that. Occasionally I'll get something from a pet store of an animal that's died or one of my friend's pet will die um, and, and I'll get those as well. I occasionally buy pieces online also if, if there's some obscure skull because that's the, the hard thing with roadkill. This is a, a bit gross, but um, normally the skull is the thing that gets hit. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty rare to get a skull um, from a piece of roadkill. So, so occasionally I will buy a skull um, from some of my little bone friends um, so that I'll have a skull to work with. Right. So on your website, it says roadkill <laughs> farms and ranches. I giggle because it's just funny. But like the, I, because I, I picture you, I know you. So I picture you and how cool you dress. And I picture you with your cool glasses and your cool dress and your cool shoes driving along the road and then getting out and scooping up roadkill. And it, it all the time. <laughs> this is yeah. It does not make my son people. giggle when this is he's dedication. in the car. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. Um, 
And then farms and ranches. So do you have, I mean, obviously you have access to a lot of that, but do you have, but do you have people that contact you? I know you said you have friends that'll, that'll tell you if they're, but I mean, are there people, random people that know that you do this, that you don't really know that'll contact you and say, Hey, I found something. Do you want it? I was, yeah, I was very lucky when I lived in Austin because there were a couple of organic farms outside of town and they had no interest in what I was doing, but they knew that I did it. And I mean, if if they ended up with a dead animal, they would call me and I'd go out there and pick it up. Believe it or not, I've had kind of a hard time with that uh, since I've been back in Lubbock. There's so many farms around here, you would think that that would be easier. But for some reason, I, I haven't hooked up with any farms here yet. Wow. Seriously? Like nobody just yeah, because... I know. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. Like, have you tried to and you've been like denied or is it just not happening or... Well, when I first came here, I was trying really hard and tr- and contacted several people, but the, it was it was just considered kind of weird, and so they <laughs> just really didn't want to have a conversation about it, which was too bad. Um, normally, if I can get someone to see a piece, if I can just get a photograph of it in front of them, then they're like, oh, okay, I get it. I see what you're doing. But when you just roll up on somebody and they're like, hey, I make jewelry out of bones, they want no part of that conversation. <laughs> so, especially not some old rancher from Texas. <laughs> I noticed you have a dead animal over there. You mind if I carry it off? Yeah, I can see how that would probably go right here. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, the yeah. funny thing is that it's interesting to me that that, that is off-putting because I would think as someone who works a ranch – I mean, because I, I, I think about the things that go, because, you know, me, I'm vegetarian. So, like, I think about the right. things that go into ranching and the idea that much of what you're doing, I mean, you're providing to be killed, you know what I mean, and eaten sure. and whatever. Yeah. So it's interesting to me that as much death as you would see and as much as you would be in tune with, obviously, to some degree, nature, because, you, you know, you're working right. it constantly, that that would be off-putting. That's odd. I think I think it's the it's the package deal. I think that when people look at me, because I mean, like you say, I have a certain look, and I'm always dressed in black, and you know that plus talking about bone jewelry, then they're like, oh, this is some weird satanic chick, which couldn't be further from the truth. But you know, what's she using these for? This is some witchy nonsense. So I, you know, whatever. <laughs> Oh, you know, I laugh because it's true. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's it, it is. You know, and it's funny because we both dress in black. We both get that. We both get that right. uh, that weird, you know, look. Even though it's like, okay, well, you have a and I all the love in the world to all the love of kites out there again. But uh, when I walk up on someone who's dressed in cowboy hat and cowboy boots and they're right. laughing at me because I'm in all black, I'm thinking, man, we're both dressed for Halloween. I'm not sure which one of us needs to be <laughs> judging the other here. Um, anyway, perfect. back to you. Um, so on here on your website, it talks about the roadkill. It talks about your process. So you have a process that you go through to bleach these, skeletons down to that white yes. beautiful white form tell us about that i know it's it, on the website but for the listeners tell us about that sure um it's it's an extremely long process uh normally it takes about six months to from you know from picking up the roadkill to it actually being ready to be made into jewelry sometimes it takes less it kind of depends on the weather um so i'll pick it up and the first thing that happens is it goes in the freezer 
And here's why. This is a little trick in case anybody wants to try their hand at bone jewelry. Um, <laughs> if, if you get an animal and you, and you clean it straight off the road, well, it's going to stink. It's already leaking. It's doing all kinds of horrible things. But if you freeze it, and then you kind of let it thaw just a little bit, then it doesn't smell nearly as bad, and you don't have to deal with a lot of fluids like you normally would. So it'll normally go in the freezer for a little bit. Um, then I skin and gut the animal. And there's a lot of different ways to clean bones. A lot of people use beetles. I don't because I think beetles are high-maintenance. Um, but I will put the carcass and all of, you know, whatever's left, I try and get as much meat off it as I can. And then I'll just put it in a bucket of water outside. Um, and then once every couple of weeks, you could change out half of the water. And what that does is it allows the bacteria to do a lot of the heavy lifting. Um, it'll clean all of the meat off and loosen up the tendons and everything. And so if, if you, I have a problem with being patient with that part. Sometimes I take the animal out too early. Um, but if I'll just let it do its thing, then it's almost completely clean when I take it out. And then all I have to do is do a little bit of scraping. It goes in peroxide for a few days. Never want to use bleach on bones because um, it it'll eat through the bone. Oh, wow. Um, but peroxide's great. You can use it for – you can soak it for as long as you need to. And then the part that I hate the most, weirdly, is the next part, which is degreasing. And what that is, is you have to put the bones in, basically I put it in hot water, and that takes forever. But <laughs> you've got to leach all of the fat out of the bones, otherwise they'll, they'll continue to discolor. So to get that super white look, you've got to do the degreasing. And that, that part takes... I mean, almost everything takes three months, four months. The first part of it is wow. not that time-consuming. It's it's that last part that's awful. Wow. So I see. See, I didn't know that. I didn't know that it was that lengthy of a process. Yeah. It's, yeah. It takes a long time. Then that's wow. one of the hard parts when somebody wants a custom piece. I mean, it's hard to tell them. You know, sorry, if you can have it. And I will totally do this for you, but you better be ready. It'll be like it. six months from now. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. And if and if somebody hits me up in October, which is always when people hit me up for jewelry, um, I mean, I can't. Bacteria doesn't grow very well in cold weather. So I mean, I basically don't clean at all in the winter. That's normally mm -hmm. when I actually do fabrication. In the summer, when it's you know hotter than hell outside, that's when the bacteria is happiest. So I basically only clean in the summer. So it might even take a year to get a custom piece. Wow, it's so scientific, Kristen. <laughs> it's just a process. You're giving me a science lesson. So I, I have to ask you, <laughs> speaking of science, tell me about the Beatles. I had no idea, not the band, but the Beatles that you're talking about that clean the bones. What, what, what happens there? What is that about? Yeah, I've never heard of it. Dermested, there's a lot of people that use dermested beetles. Um, Museums normally use beetles. It's a way faster process. Um, beetles, if you have a good colony, they can completely clean an animal in, you know, three or four days, which is great. Um, and, and that's good for people who are cleaning year-round 
Um, but I don't necessarily have enough animals to keep them fed year round. Um, because I mean, you never know what, what you're going to find with roadkill. I mean, sometimes it's a good month, sometimes it's not. So feeding them in off times is a, a little, that would be challenging for me. Plus you got to keep them warm and then they stink and you don't want them getting loose in your house because they'll eat through everything. Um, <laughs> and I'm, I'm very precious about my house, so I don't want beetles <laughs> eating my furniture. <laughs> I'm the same way with you. But that's why I don't use um, Well, okay, and that's an interesting thing. But again, like, I didn't even know this. I, I, a, I didn't know your process took this long. I also did not know uh, about this beetle thing. I had no idea. So, I, really, this is educational. And I'm fascinated <laughs> with this because, again, um, an art process that takes that long and is that involved, I, you know, you're only able to produce so much. Right. I mean, right. you have to. Yeah. So how often are you because, you know, you said you're fabricating in the winter. You're typically cleaning stuff in the summer. I mean, this is just generally speaking. So how often yeah. are you how often are you producing? How much how often do you produce these new pieces? I probably do about. I mean, between earrings and everything, I do about 30 to 40 pieces a year. The necklaces are. I mean, you've seen them. They're big and ostentatious and gaudy and dramatic. So, I mean, I really, it's normally one animal per necklace. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm good to do maybe 10 or 15 necklaces a year. I wish I could do you know, more. I have, I have to go back to that big and gaudy and ostentatious and dramatic. I think that you just described me, Kristen, when you said that. Um, that's really an awesome <laughs> be why we get along so well. <laughs> and that's an awesome description, and I love it. And that is exactly there's no better way to describe your work, and it's fantastic. So, thirty to forty pieces a year. I'm sure you wish you could do more because, my goodness, it must yeah. be kind of addictive to do this. Yes, it is. And when but it comes to uh, yeah, when it comes to harvesting. How how much time goes into that? And I mean, I don't mean like going out and picking it up. I mean like focusing on trying to find new pieces. Well, I'm fortunate because I, I take a lot of road trips. Um, I've mm-hmm. got family kind of scattered around Texas. And so normally I don't make special trips. Um, I'll just pick up, you know, whenever I go on a trip. My freezer is normally full. Um, again, much to my son's chagrin, but, um, (laughs) so I've always got animals that, that need to be worked on. And even right now I do, which is unfortunate. Um, I need to get busy. I got to clean that freezer out. (laughs) (laughs) I can't be on this interview. I got to (laughs) go. I haven't cleaned anything Uh, all month. I have been a slacker this month. I got to get busy. Well, okay, see, when you talk about this, now granted this is a much different a much different uh, art form, but, but you know, when I think about this and, and, and everybody's kind of take on it, people that might be listening and might be like, oh, wow, this is, whew, that's difficult. You know, they didn't even think about cleaning these animals. But then I think about taxidermy, and I think, oh, that's been around forever too. And I remember growing up, you know, my grandfather uh, and his, his buddies, and he was not a hunter, but he had friends that were, and every time we'd go to, their homes or my, 
you know, great yeah. Uncle Tom's, their taxidermy stuff everywhere, stuffed owls, stuffed deer, stuff everything, you know. And so it's like it's the same thing. I mean, it's the stuff that's been going on. It's just that you're just focused yeah. on the bones. Yeah, ex- exactly. Um, and it's it's handy to have friends that are taxidermists because I can give them fur and, and skin, and they can give me bones. So that's kind of handy as well. Um, ah. I think taxidermy would be so much harder than what I do, though. I have so much respect for those people. To take something that's that's kind of jacked up and make it look real is amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, and you know, I never thought about that. What a reciprocal relationship you would have with a taxidermist. Do you have a lot of taxidermy friends, like people that are into that that do that? I do have a lot of uh, friends that do taxidermy. A lot, a lot um, more than than do stuff with bones, actually. But the the unfortunate thing. Now is uh, I don't have any taxidermy people in Lubbock. Mm-hmm. Same problem in Austin I used to, and trying to send. I mean, you can send roadkill through the mail, or or you know dead animals through the mail, mm-hmm. but it it's a bit tricky. So my all my friends are kind of scattered all over the U.S. and that's not very helpful. <laughs> I didn't know that you could send dead animals in the mail. I think you're probably not supposed to, but if it's packaged well, <laughs> it can be done. I will say that. Don't try this at home, but it can be done. Get a lot of bubble wrap. A lot of bubble wrap. Yeah, duct, duct tape and coolers are your friends. <laughs> oh, this is why I love you, Kristen. Um Okay, so, you know, you mentioned that you have a son, and obviously I've met him, and he's fantastic, by the way. We all know this. Anybody that knows Christian knows her son and knows that he's fantastic. So it must be interesting for him. How does he do with all this? Does he help you with any of this stuff? Does he hate it? Does he love it? Oh, heavens no. He would would absolutely rather die than even (laughs) touch any of it. He... He, and you would think, especially like when he was younger, you would think a young boy would be like, oh, cool, a gross thing, you know, and like want to freak his friends out with it. He is not that kid at all. I think that when when your parent is super weird, the only way that you can rebel is to be kind of normal. Yeah. And <laughs> and so my son is – not to say my son's perfectly normal, God knows, but – um. But he he is not into all of my kind of weirdness. He has his own brand of weirdness. Um, so he is not into it at all. At all. You know, I, I think that's funny that you say that because I've always thought if I ever had a kid, which we all know I'm not going to, but if I ever did, she would be, you know, dressed in all pink and, and it would just be yep. the exact opposite of me because that's exactly right. That's how they have to rebel uh, against yeah. us when we're, when we're like this. Exactly. It's the opposite. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, you know, it's interesting that he didn't, he didn't like that. You're right. It must've just been that rebellious thing because you would think, you know, you have a son, he would be like, whoa, that's awesome. You know, if nothing else, I'll help you find it, you know, right. No, no, he's having none of it. Um, he, (laughs) he will, he will help me do lookout, um, when I'm pulled over because obviously it's a little bit dangerous when you're on the side of the road on a highway. Uh, he'll, so he'll do lookout, um, but he won't, he won't touch anything. He'll make sure you don't get run over yourself. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, that's nice. He does that. Yeah, yeah does that. He just wants to make sure that he has dinner, that's all. <laughs> uh, 
Well, okay, and so, you know, I have to ask you, because, again, and I, I want everyone out there listening, go to this website. It's, you know, O-S is in Sam, S-U-A-R-I-A.com. Um, you have to check this out. You have to look at the images. Again, you can go to the About page, find out more information about what we've just talked about. You can go to the Press page, look at all the many events and magazines that she has been featured in, and then you can go to the Products page and be absolutely fascinated with her work. Um, you know, it's interesting. You've talked about the process, the lengthy process, all that goes into this, mm-hmm. and the fact that, um, you know, it, it takes – you can only do like 30 to 40 a year. It, it takes, um, you know, up to three or four months to even get everything done, probably six months to get a piece actually ready. And, yeah, yeah I look at your prices, and I'm like, wow, that's extremely reasonable <laughs> considering how much work goes into that. So, you know, when you want to – Well, you're very you wanna, sweet to say that. <laughs> well, it's very true. I mean, my goodness, you know, all the work that you're putting in, all the time that's being taken and. You know, that's something people don't understand about art, and that's generally speaking. Again, I know there's a lot of people out there that get it, but there's generally speaking, a lot of people don't understand that there's a big difference in an artist who produces a piece of art, especially something like what you're doing, versus, you know, going to the store and buying something that's mass-produced with machines or right. whatever. And so it, it really is a matter of looking at the time and the effort and the love and the inspiration and everything that's put into it and just the fact that you come up with this in your head that something inspired you and is working through you. It's fantastic. Thank you. People do get a little fussy about my prices, but normally it's the same kind of thing. Once they realize how much time goes into it and just what, what a ridiculously long process it is, then they're like, oh, okay, well, that kind of makes sense. So Yeah, and people really, you, you must, all these listeners out there, you have to go to this page and look at the products and find something for yourself. I am absolutely amazed i your rings necklaces bracelets there's just everything that you could earrings anything that you could want sculptures i mean if you're interested in any of this go to the page and check it out now i have to ask well and and also can can i can i pimp something real quick please pimp please pimp and plug and promote whatever you need to do (laughs) yes i'm going to be doing a uh two-month show at tornado gallery starting this friday so if you want to come out and actually see pieces in person, then swing on by Tornado. Um, I'm going to be there on first Friday. So if you want to talk about the process or, you know, just chat it up and say hi, then come on by. That is so awesome. And it's this Friday. What, what time can they get there? Um, it's going to be from 6 to 9. Okay, so they could get there as early as 5.45, wait for the doors to open, 6 o'clock, go in and talk to you. They can stay until 9 o'clock if they want. They can hang out. They can chat about the process. They can learn more. And this is going to be going on for two months. Yes, the jewelry – excuse me, I can't talk. The jewelry will be there for two months. And I'm I'm also going to do First Friday. And so if you can't make it out for this one, hit me up for the next one. Awesome. So if they want to – yeah, because this is a holiday weekend. So if they want to – if they are right. not going to be in town or whatever, then they can obviously come in August. And also, if they want to purchase a piece, they can go to Tornado Gallery anytime during these two months, and they can find a yep. piece maybe that they like. Absolutely. That would be awesome. Um, yeah. And then, obviously, if you want to search more, shop more, you can always go to the website. Again, it's O-S-S, no, S is in Sam, U-A-R-I-A, with Um And then, also, I wanted to ask you, uh, one more question. I, you know, yep. it's interesting to me, like I said earlier, that 
you haven't met or at least been able to connect with you've met, but you haven't really been able to find someone that trusts that you're not a satanic person um, that can give you, <laughs> that's just looking for ritual, um, that, that right. can give you um, what you need here in Lubbock. You haven't met a taxidermist. You haven't met, you know, a rancher or a farmer or anybody here that really can provide you with this. So if there was someone listening out there, or maybe many someones, that now hear your story and they go, oh, okay, yeah, this is awesome. I want to do that. I mean, I've got all this stuff. You know, I can help. What that would, would be you great. need them to do? Yeah, what would you need them to do? How could they contact you? They can contact me however it's convenient. There's a contact form on the website, um, and you can hit me up through Facebook if you want. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm iffy about giving out my phone number, but my phone number is on the you. website. So if you, if you want to do a little bit of legwork, you can probably track me down. <laughs> <laughs> If she's got to do this much to create this stuff, people, you can right. do a little legwork to track her down. Um, yeah, so if anybody out there listening, you know, knows of a farmer, knows of a rancher, if you are a farmer, if you have a ranch, if you're into taxidermy, if you do anything that could help her, please, by all means. This woman is an Absolutely. amazing artist, and the stuff that she produces is beautiful. And more importantly, you know, these animals that have passed on, let's let them continue in some way in some beautiful art form. And, and this is a beautiful thing, and it celebrates their life and, to me, their afterlife. And more importantly, this is a, like I said, a tribal art form that's been going on for yeah. centuries and eons, and it's something that's very ancient and close to nature. It's something we really honestly need to be getting back to. And I love it because when I look at stuff like this, you know, I think about, like, Mad Max movies and stuff like that where you do have completely context with tribal <laughs> And I love it. And, and that's a lot of what these images remind me of in your book and on your website. And I really want to push that you uh, produce more books and make them available for purchase. Yeah, I've thought, I've thought about doing the books. So you, you yeah. may have convinced me. Yay, good. I'm pretty persuasive. <laughs> I can be pretty Yes, persuasive. you are. <laughs> if not annoying, I can certainly be. Um, and also... <laughs> I just want to ask before we finish up, because I know Annette's going to jump in here uh, a little bit and wrap us up, um, and she may even have a question or two. And but but I look at your press, and I'm you know again I know a lot of this is magazines and stuff, but but as an artist myself, I am curious to know what is your to you what is your crowning achievement in terms of where your jewelry has been featured or an event that you attended or anything like that. What what is your the biggest exciting moment that something that just like really blew you away that that you were going to be featured in this particular magazine or event believe it or not it's not the magazines that have done it um there there was an event a, a few years back at the uh, la luz de jesus gallery in los angeles and they were doing their rogue taxidermy show and to be a part of that was one of the greatest things that's ever happened to me. It was such a cool opportunity because I was showing with people who to me were legends, you know, these people who like Serena Brewer, who creates this phenomenal taxidermy that is just so weird and so bizarre and these fantastical creatures. And I'm right there next to her. You know, and uh, to have a piece next to Paul Cudineris and Katie and Amarado. I mean, these these people that were just, you know, that I really looked up to, and to get to show with them there was pretty phenomenal. Oh, that is so cool! And these are names I personally have not heard. So, 
Um, these are names I need to check out. These are names our listeners need to check out. Can you say them again? Because the two people that you mentioned, I've never heard of. Serena Brewer is one of my favorites. Her stuff is just crazy cool. And she's one of the few rogue taxidermists that I actually have a piece from. Um, it's it's a squirrel with antlers, which is cute as all get out. It is my favorite thing. Um, so she's awesome. You should totally check her out. Katie and Amarado. She's another one. Um, Divya. I'm not, not going to say her last name right. Anand Tharaman. Figure that one out. I believe that's how you pronounce her name. She's phenomenal. Um, Paul Kudineris. He does a lot of photography. He has two or he might even have three now coffee table books. Um, one of them is called The Empire of Death, and it's about the catacombs and you know various bone churches all throughout wow. the world. His, his books are phenomenal. He's and Kristen Bunyard is going to put out a book, which, was going to, which is going to be equally as phenomenal. <laughs> Just saying. Here's hoping. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. I love that you were able to do that. And how cool is that to, to be able yeah, to be involved great. with the people that you admire? And obviously they admire you too, and that's the coolest part about it, is you know that they're saying the same thing about you on an interview somewhere else in the world right now. And that's I do cool. hope. Yeah. It's it's definitely true. Annette, I know you probably have um, at least one question for Kristen, so I don't want to completely keep you out of this. Do you have anything you wanted to ask? I, I, there's so many. So many. <laughs> I, I was looking on your press, and are you consulting with somebody on a novel? That's what it said. Yes, that is true. Um, she has a I don't want to I don't want to give too much of her plot away, but she has a character that for for various reasons has access to human bones. <laughs> and so <laughs> a a means of disposal, mm-hmm. shall we say, is she makes jewelry. And so she was not familiar with the whole process, so I I got to consult with her to help her out with that. And believe it or th- this is a weird one that I haven't even added to my press section yet. I was just contacted a couple of weeks ago by a lady who does science books for kids, and she's – this is the weirdest thing. She's writing one about unique uses for roadkill. Well, <laughs> clearly she found me. <laughs> so, I'm yeah, her. I'm going to be helping out with the kids' book. <laughs> I'll see if we can hook you up with a copy when that gets made. Oh, good. Well, then he would be out there digging up roadkill. I mean, I'm yeah, I've stopped many a time and, uh, you know, throwing a little tobacco, giving a little gift, and taking something, you know. That's awesome. He should come help me. I would love to. Yeah, I've, I've done that, oh, for forever because... My son was always really interested in in dead things, you know, the ones with the skulls that won't let me take. And, um, yeah, so we've, you know, we've always stopped and and done things like that. And I've always um, instilled in him, you give a gift, you don't take anything without a gift. So that's That's uh, awesome. That's that's what we do. 
But I want to mention, can I mention the author's name that you're you consulting? Has her book come out yet? It has not come out yet. Uh, her name is Carmen Curtin, C-U-R-T-O-N. I will want to read that book because it sounds like something I would enjoy in this Me way. too. I'm pretty intrigued myself. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So I, I just want to add, and this is kind of a serious question, I guess, but we, at the beginning of the interview, you were talking about how we have so disconnected from death in our society. Yeah. And that's true. And, and you know, hospice comes in, and I thank God for hospice because they've been oh, a, a God people. <clears throat> Why do you think we have become so distant, uh, distant from the whole process of death? What what has changed over the years, in your opinion? That's that's a really good question. Um, I'm not really sure what caused that. I mean, I think I think part of it has has been hospitals, just because people mm-hmm. understand that there is a place to go when you're sick, right. and and there it, people feel like it has to be this sterile environment. And and all and I'm not saying anything negative about hospitals. Thank God for them, obviously. But I think that has kind of taught people this this weirdness about germs and about cleanliness. So I think that's probably part of it. Is people just don't want to be around anything that they consider gross um, or unhealthy, if you will. Right. So I think that's part of it. But I think that. I think that we're disconnected in general. I mean, I don't think it's just from the death Absolutely. process. I think it's yeah. because of technology and whatnot. I mean, mm-hmm. everyone is so accessible that no one is accessible. And and that's right. that's really caused a disconnect in general. Yeah, yeah fist in the I, air on that one, Kristen. I totally agree. That's a hard thing. You know, I was talking to somebody just recently, and we were talking about how, you know, you go, you're camping someplace, and the kids next door to you have their TV on because they can get TV in the camper instead of being out in nature and finding bones and sitting around and, and looking at cool stuff. And, yeah, that's just drives me crazy. Uh, when that happens. having been <laughs> having been raised on a farm and and I'm trying to hopefully be able to do that again in the future is have my own land um, and just be in nature. It's appalling to me that that's something that kids just don't even want to do now. I mean they're, they're just not right. interested at all for the most. I mean obviously right. there's exceptions, um, but it's just it's it's a very different mentality. And uh, yeah, I'm very grateful that my grandsons love to be outside and love to be in nature and are not attached yeah. to technology. Yet. So thank yeah. goodness for that. Absolutely. Well, you know, I mean, it just, we are disconnected. I think you're right in, in every area and not just the death. And we tend to give our responsibilities over to other people, you know. Right. Yeah, when it comes to be, someone being sick or someone dying, no, that's their responsibility. We're family, so we just sit back and watch. So, I think that Turner makes the grieving process so hard, though. 
I mean, I think if people were more involved and if it wasn't something that was happening, you know, remotely, then I think people have a chance to grieve in a very natural way. And I don't know know that people grieve in the same way anymore. Kristen, that's yeah. such a great point right there. I, I've got to jump in because, uh, and I know we're running out of time, but this is awesome. Uh, that's such a great point because um, I have a good friend, Dr. Kat. She's been on our show before as well. And, and we were just talking recently about, you know, I had, there was a little baby bird here at my uh, home and, and I actually held it. It was dying. It had been, you know, obviously falling out of the nest. Yeah. And, and I held it as it took its last breath. And I just kind of, you know, eased it in and just told it, you know, let go. It's yeah. okay. Of course, I'm out there. It, people are all around me looking at me like I'm crazy. But uh, whatever. It's cool. And then <laughs> she was talking about how she did that, you know, with one of her animals. And she did that with a, an animal that was dying on the side of the road. And, and mm-hmm. you know, that's something that honestly, when you're talking about family, I've had the uh, I've been blessed with an opportunity with my mother to be there when she passed. And, and that's something that it honestly does give you the closure that you can't get otherwise. And it, it does. does help you with it that does. grieving process. Yeah, it truly yeah. does. And I think you're yeah. absolutely right. That's a great point. And I, yeah, I've been involved with process. So, uh, you know, they really encourage family <clears throat> to be involved and to be there and, to speak and and do what they need to do in order to make the transition easy for the person. And so it's uh, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. Well, Kristen, we are so pleased that you were on the show today. Thank Um, you so much. It's been a blast. Kristen Bunyard, Ossuaria, O-S-S-U-A-R-I-A.com. She's on Facebook. Get on Facebook and take a look. I've already posted on Facebook that she's going to be having a two-month show at Tornado Gallery, which is exciting because I'm going to be down there to take a look of all the beautiful stuff in person. So if you want want to meet the artist behind the bones, um, definitely make it out there for First Friday in July and in August. She'll be there. And next week, we have got Elizabeth Harvin on the show. She's going to be doing live readings for us, which we're very excited about. She's super excited, too. And um, just remember, we'll be posting phone numbers. Get on the call quick, because if you don't, you're not going to be able to get a reading. There's only time for at least maybe two or three at the most, depending on what the questions are. And if you've ever heard Elizabeth Harvin's readings, you will know how accurate and how uplifting and encouraging they are. You, It's a must. So we'll have her information on there, too. So next week, Elizabeth Harvin, we want to thank you again for being on the show. And get out thank to you, Tornado you. Gallery this Friday night. And we will see you all next week. Bye.